97.1 FM, The Drive presents the Behind the Song podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. Behind the Song is powered by DuPage Credit Union. If you're anything like my husband and I, spending this much time at home has made us think of all the home renovations we want to do. And with home equity loan rates the lowest they've been in years, it's the perfect time to kickstart your home renovations and talk to the experts at DuPage Credit Union. Whether you're looking for a fixed-rate home equity loan or a HELOC, they make it so simple to get the funds you need fast. For credit costs and terms or to apply, visit DuPageCU.com. That's DuPageCU.com. DuPage Credit Union is an equal housing opportunity lender. NMLS number 445096. By Members' Choice, this institution is not federally insured. You know the song from the first couple of notes in the opening riff. It's one of the most recognizable in rock and roll. Right up there with the opening of Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin or Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. It's a riff that came alive in a broken down house called the Hell House that Guns N' Roses shared in their early days in the only city that could have been the home of the most dangerous band in the world, Hollywood, California. That famous riff grew into a song that became, hands down, the biggest hit for GNR. Their only number one, Sweet Child of Mine. And at first, Slash, the legendary guitar hero who came up with that iconic riff, hated the song. He thought that it was against the grain of what Guns N' Roses was all about. A hard-rocking outfit with roots in bands like ACDC and Motorhead. While the song was an up-tempo ballad. And even worse, in Slash's view, a love song. But rock it did, nonetheless. And he has since walked back his early opinion of Sweet Child of Mine. Let's start at the beginning. And then we'll get back to that famous riff. The now-classic lineup of Guns N' Roses from their 1987 debut album, Appetite for Destruction, came to be after members from two bands joined together for a time. Singer Axl Rose, a transplant to Los Angeles, arrived from Indiana in 1982 and joined up with his childhood friend, rhythm guitarist Izzy Stradlin, who had moved to L.A. a few years before to form Hollywood Rose. Meanwhile... Tracy Guns, the lead guitarist for his namesake band L.A. Guns, was tearing up the clubs on the Sunset Strip. After lineup changes in their respective bands, Rose, Stradlin, and Guns combined their previous names to form Guns N' Roses in 1984, along with drummer Rob Gardner and the late bassist Ole Bike, both also from L.A. Guns. But after an argument with Rose... Guns left the group and was replaced by Slash on lead guitar. Slash, by the way, is the only member of the band who is a native of Los Angeles with an interesting youth that includes time that his mother, fashion designer Ola Hudson, spent as David Bowie's girlfriend when Slash was a child. Duff McKagan, a bass player from Seattle, replaced Bike. And finally, Steven Adler, a drummer who once had one of the most joyful swings to his style of playing in all of hard rock, replaced Gardner on drums. Adler, who was born in Cleveland but moved to L.A. with his mother after his parents divorced, had been friends with Slash since they met after a skateboarding incident in junior high school. 
and had played with both Slash and Adler in another outfit called Road Crew. And so, by 1985, the classic GNR lineup of Axl Rose, Slash, Izzy Stradlin, Steven Adler, and Duff McKagan was confirmed. Their early days are absolutely chock full of debauched stories. The band had a rehearsal space behind a building on Sunset Boulevard, and after they rigged up a kind of loft space in it, they slept there, partied there, had girls over there, including one girl who ended up running through the streets screaming, which brought them to the attention of the LAPD. There was no bathroom, no electricity, no air conditioning, and it was by all accounts absolutely filthy a place that came to become a hangout for the seedy underbelly of Hollywood, sleazy drug dealers, and more. Their reputation became so bad during this time, when they were so broke that they were trying to live on just $5 a day, that they were actually afraid to play gigs at the Sunset Strip clubs where they were booked, the Troubadour, the Roxy, and more, because they were afraid the police would snatch them off the stage for their myriad offenses. And somehow... This squalid shed is where much of the material for GNR's Appetite for Destruction was written. And they did secure a record contract from Geffen Records during this crazy time in 1986 on the strength of their live shows, signing on the promise of creative control and a $75,000 advance. This allowed them to move into an actual house in West Hollywood, where the debauchery would continue to the point that that would become the Hell House. And it was there that Sweet Child of Mine came to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slash has said that writing songs with this lineup was so natural that they all fell into place with one another so much that the songs almost wrote themselves. Slash often practiced patterns on the guitar, finger exercises, and was playing a pattern he'd been returning to while sitting around in the Hell House with Stradlin and McKagan, who joined in playing chords. That pattern is the opening riff of Sweet Child of Mine what was once just a practice riff that Slash used to warm up on his guitar. Rose, having heard this, asked the others to play it again the next day during rehearsal. He had assumed leadership of the band fully by this time, and he had something in mind for the music they just stumbled upon while jamming. Axel Rose, then in his mid-twenties, had recently met the 19-year-old Aaron Everly, daughter of Don Everly of the legendary rock duo, the Everly Brothers. She had grown up in Hollywood 
and was no stranger to the rock scene on the Sunset Strip or the pitfalls of the rock and roll lifestyle. Her parents had divorced over her father's issues with drugs. She was a model and always had money, and the two fell head over heels in love. By all accounts, this relationship was one of the most profound in Axel's life to that point. He had a very troubled childhood in Indiana. He was the son of a grifter named William Rose, who was later murdered and who Rose says abducted and molested him at age two before taking off, never to be seen again. Rose didn't know the true identity of his father until finding insurance papers by accident when he was in his teens. His mother married a very religious, a very strict man named Stephen Bailey when Rose was a child. And his mother changed her children's last name to Bailey. It was a rough upbringing. Rose says Bailey beat him and his sister and half-brother throughout their youth. The children were raised in the Pentecostal church where Rose began singing in the choir. And so troubled by his origin story and his home life, he began exhibiting delinquent behavior, getting arrested dozens of times for intoxication and more petty crimes. He took off for Los Angeles in 1982 and changed his name to W. Axel Rose as a way of separating himself fully from his upbringing. After a childhood like that, with so few bright moments and in a rough and tumble world trying to make it as a singer in Hollywood, he met Everly a girl of profound beauty, with rock and roll roots and plenty of time for Axl Rose, who seemed to understand his chaotic mood swings and even matched them with her own. Two peacocks finding each other in a rock and roll jungle. Sweet Child of Mine is about Erin Everly, and it starts like this. She's got a smile that it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories, where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then, when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place. And if I stared too long, I'd probably break down and cry. Sweet child of mine. It is Erin Everly that you see in the music video for this song. And in fact, all of GNR's girlfriends at the time made an appearance in it as the band was filmed rehearsing. It was the first music video made in the 80s that reached over a billion views on YouTube. Good thing for the band. Axl Rose initially wanted the video to portray a dark concept about drug trafficking, but that idea was rejected by Geffen Records. It was one of the few times that he didn't get his creative way, and suffice to say, it wouldn't have had the same mainstream success if he had. And the song continues. She's got eyes of the bluest skies, as if they thought of rain. I hate to look into those eyes and see an ounce of pain. Her hair reminds me of a warm, safe place where as a child I'd hide and pray for the thunder and the rain to quietly pass me by. Sweet child of mine. It's a mercurial man with a troubled past, with difficulty finding anywhere that feels safe to him, finding it in true love with a beautiful girl who seems to understand him. When the song ends with the line, where do we go now? We're left thinking that that's about wondering if the relationship will be able to sustain, as so many others in Rose's life hadn't. But it was partly a studio accident. 
When the band rehearsed and recorded it, at one point, the line came up as a real question. Where do we go next within the context of this song as they were playing it? It's one of the happy accidents that makes rock songs so interesting. Similar to how the stutter in BTO's You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet was also unplanned. But that's rock and roll for ya. When Appetite for Destruction was released in July of 1987, it didn't exactly blow up the charts. And it wasn't until the band toured as an opener for Aerosmith and Sweet Child of Mine was released as a single and the video for it hit MTV that the sales of the album started to skyrocket. It was on the strength of this song, a love poem, that this hard-rocking band became famous on a mainstream level when it went to number one on the Billboard chart, their only single to ever do so. Aaron Everly and Axl Rose married in Las Vegas in 1990, four years after they had begun dating. They exchanged vows at Cupid's wedding chapel, but trouble soon followed. Rose reportedly wanted an annulment after just two days. Four months later, Everly miscarried, a traumatic event which led to their eventual breakup, 10 months after the quickie wedding. Rose went on to have a relationship with supermodel Stephanie Seymour, who was famously featured in GNR's November Rain music video. That relationship ended with the two suing each other over abuse. And in 1994, Everly filed her own lawsuit against Rose, claiming abuse while they were together. It was settled out of court. In 2013, Rolling Stone reported that Everly was selling Rose's love letters in an auction, along with their Las Vegas wedding video and other items from their relationship. Axl Rose has never remarried. In the years that followed their debut and the successful albums that came after, Guns N' Roses have had well-documented troubles, infighting, outlandish behavior, and an appetite for vice, several lineup changes, recording and then refusing to release music, and so on. Matt Sorum, Dizzy Reed, Gilby Clark, Josh Freese, Buckethead, Tommy Stinson, and many more have been a part of the band's lineup. It has been a roller coaster for the band members and for fans who have followed the drama. And many times over the years, it's just been assumed that GNR was done. The classic lineup, Guns N' Roses, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012 with the addition of Dizzy Reed and Matt Sorum. Axl Rose wrote a public letter at the time stating that he would not attend, calling it a complicated situation. By 2016, a reformed GNR headlined the Coachella Music Festival. And in 2017, the Not In This Lifetime tour broke records around the world for ticket sales. In 2020, their next world tour was announced with this lineup. Axl Rose, Slash, Duff McKagan, Dizzy Reed, Richard Fortas, Frank Ferrer, and Melissa Reese. Appetite for Destruction has sold over 30 million copies worldwide. And in all, GNR have sold over 100 million albums worldwide. They are mega, the rock band from LA that everyone else pretended to be, in the words of songwriter Steve Earle. A band who wrote a perfect debut album of their crazy experiences in the often harrowing streets of the City of Angels. Streets lined with ghosts of so many hopeful young rock and rollers that came before them. 
Guns N' Roses made it. These wild boys cracked through to achieve their wildest dreams, thanks in large part to a killer riff and the lyrics of a sweet love song. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks to Christian Lane for the music you hear on this podcast. Subscribe to the Behind the Song podcast on YouTube and watch the video episodes. Follow Behind the Song podcast on TikTok. If you have a song you'd like to hear more about in an upcoming episode, just drop me a note in the comments and let me know. On the way, episodes about the lyrics of Boston and more classic rock and roll. Behind the Song is powered by DuPage Credit Union. If you're anything like my husband and I, spending this much time at home has made us think of all the home renovations we want to do. And with home equity loan rates the lowest they've been in years, it's the perfect time to kickstart your home renovations and talk to the experts at DuPage Credit Union. Whether you're looking for a fixed-rate home equity loan or a HELOC, they make it so simple to get the funds you need fast. For credit costs and terms or to apply, visit DuPageCU.com. That's DuPageCU.com. DuPage Credit Union is an equal housing opportunity lender. NMLS number 445096. By Members' Choice, this institution is not federally insured.